Yes, it's my turn. Uh, we're starting our second week uh, through our Journey Through James series this summer. Uh, who is James? That's the first thing I was trying to figure out here, and I thought it would be a lot easier to figure this out. There's actually four guys named James in the New Testament, two, two disciples, but there's only two that would probably refer to themselves simply as, as James. Uh, Galatians 1.9, James is referred to as the Lord's brother. And so I believe that, that James is Jesus' younger brother. And uh, the pressure there, could you, can you imagine being the younger brother of, of, uh, of Jesus? The parent, your parents would always ask, you know, well, uh, why don't you be more like your brother? <laughs> you know, that, that, that would be tough. Um, but the truth is, it, it really doesn't matter too much uh, today who, who, which, which James it was. James is a very practical book, covering ideas like uh, doing what the Bible says, faith in action, responding to trials, praying, controlling our tongue, not showing favoritism, peace over division, managing our resources. And when I look at all these things, I would sum it up that, and say that James is, is about spiritual maturity. Uh, James is about a lot of other things, too. It's a great book, but um, I, I think it does help us to be more mature uh, in our faith. And last week, we learned that the key to spiritual maturity through reflection was to choose the appropriate mirror, which happened to be the Bible. Uh, this week, the main idea from chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, is very simple. Um, I, I don't want to overcomplicate this. It's, it's just this. Trust God. That's it. Spiritual maturity begins by trusting God in everything. See, when we choose the appropriate mirror, or when we begin to look into the Bible for wisdom and for guidance and and to see the story of God all played out, um, if we don't trust God, then it means nothing. If we don't believe what it says, then we may as well not read it because there's, there's no point. Um, and so after a, follower, after a follower of Jesus, a man named Stephen was stoned to death. Um, every, a lot of the other followers, they were fearful, and, and so they spread out uh, among the known world. And so these men and women, they needed some encouragement. And... Um, they needed a reminder of who they were serving and why they were doing it. And so this morning, we're going to look a lot about why we trust God, or how we trust God, and, and, and mostly why we do it. And so we begin this morning in James chapter 1, verse 1. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. And so from the scripture, we, we get the answer, who is James? All the other, you know, things don't really matter so much. James is a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's what matters. And who is the letter to? He says the 12 tribes among the nations, or the believers of Jesus who are now all over the place. Um, but now we come to this place in our scripture where your Bible may have a heading that says trials and temptations. And in this section, we do read about trials and temptations, but there's so much more. I wouldn't want you to read this, this section and think, oh, it's just about trials and temptations. I don't need to worry about that. I'm going to skip over it. There's so much more here. And so today we're going to look at the five areas where the believers need to trust God, this encouragement. Um, and then I, I want you to walk out here, here just remembering those two words, trust God. And as simple as that is, think about it. Where are you trusting God in your life? And where are you lacking in trust right now? And so we'll, we'll look then uh, and find our first point uh, from verses, well, we'll start in verse 2. 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And then down to verse 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So number one, we trust God through trials. And again, every point that I get to, the first thing I'm going to ask is, why? Why would we trust God through trials? Uh, the, the answer is in the scripture that we, be, we may be mature and complete. And from verse 12, we will receive the crown of life. James speaks on this a lot later in the text. We don't trust God through trials because he causes them. We trust God in trials because he, we believe that he can work through them. Uh, facing trials can help us to have a, a healthy view or an attitude uh, in life. We don't want trials. No one's going to ask for them. But think about the times that you faced challenges, hardships, trials, anything that really knocks you off track and makes you consider uh, who you are and, and, uh, and what's going on around you. Um, we grow. Aren't we more loving because of some of the things that we've faced? We're more caring, we're more generous, we're more considerate and thoughtful of, of the world around us because we've faced things and we know that well, other people have too. Who knows what they're going through right now? I don't, but there has, there's probably some kind of reason why, why, they, why they are the way they are. It helps us to grow. It's like this story. Um, over 2,000 years ago, a young Greek artist named Timothys studied under a respected tutor. After several years, the teacher's efforts seemed to have paid off when he painted an exquisite work of art. Unfortunately, he became so enraptured with the painting that he spent days gazing at it. One morning when he arrived to admire his work, he was shocked to find it blotted out with paint. Angry, he ran to his teacher who admitted he had destroyed the painting. I did it for your own good. The painting was slowing your progress. Start again and see if you can do better. See, Timothy's took his teacher's advice and produced The Sacrifice of Iphigenia, which is regarded as one of the finest paintings in history, uh, all because the teacher was looking after him and, and, and saw uh, that, that he, needed some, he needed some guidance here. And, and, uh, and I don't believe God ever does this through death. I don't. I, I don't believe God's plan is death. It wasn't in the beginning before we, before we sinned and separated ourselves, and it, it's not in the end. Look at Revelation 21 and 22. It's not there. Um, but I do believe God opens and closes doors. I believe that he gives us opportunities, uh, even through what we, might, we may find as, as loss. Um, we may not always make the most out of those opportunities, but like the man in the story, I believe God is like the teacher and he wants what is good for us, even if we don't really know if that's the case or if we don't believe it. Keep going. Uh, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So number two, we trust God through prayer. Again, why? Because it says right here, God gives generously. And I think this is a great follow-up to number one, trials. We trust God through trials. We trust God through prayer. Um, because when we face a trial, what's, what's the first thing we, we do? When we face a hardship or a challenge, we ask ourselves, what do I do? How will I ever get through this? Maybe we look to God. 
how am I going to get through this? Would you, would you give me some wisdom? But I think James knew how hard that was to actually trust God through our prayers. How hard is it to, to wait for an answer? Or we get the answer, but it's not what we want. Verses 6 through 8 speaks to all this. Being double-minded and unstable is a person who does not trust God or is lacking in trust at the time and is spiritually immature. And, and so personally, though, I, I do think this is the hardest. I think trusting God in prayer is by far the hardest of, of any of the five we're going to talk about today um, because we're, we're talking to God, a creator of the universe. And that's a tough concept to grasp, I think. I mean, it is for me occasionally. Um, and then we have to decide this. Um, does God really care about this issue in my life? Is, is he going to come through for me? And probably my personal favorite, can I just handle this one on my own? I mean, it might take a lot of work, and it might be challenging, and I don't know if I'll do it all the right way, but, but should I wait for God to answer, or can I just uh, can I handle this one on my own? It's hard to trust God through prayer. It's always been that way. Uh, we read many examples in Scripture. Adam and Eve chose, chose to trust Satan over God. Cain killed his brother Abel after, well, Cain had withheld his offering because he lacked trust in God. Abraham trusted God more than himself. Um, in, in having a son. The Israelites did not trust God over and over again. The disciples followed Jesus, didn't trust him or God over and over again. It usually comes down to whether you think God will come through or if you're just not sure, you're lacking that, that trust in him. James continues then. Uh, again, he's trying to challenge and encourage the disciples, give them reminders. Um, verse 9, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade even when they go about their business. So number three, we trust God through finances. Why? Um, because we are believers, and that's what matters. That's what he says. The idea is very simple to grasp, but hard to live out. See, look at verse 9 again. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. Now, if you're in a humble circumstance, I think he's referring to those in, in, who are poor or, or, um, or have less. And he says to take pride in your high position. Well, why, would, why would I have a high position if you're a believer? The answer is right in that text. Believers take pride. It doesn't, it doesn't matter uh, what you have. But I think for most of us, it, 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 we, go, we fall into the other, um, the other group. There's two groups in here. And verse 10 is probably most of America, really. Um, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation. Now, the rich are not being humiliated for being rich. It's not about that. But James, he spent a lot of time with Jesus, um, or at least he learned a lot from him. Uh, I think he may have remembered Jesus' words recorded in Mark 9.35. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and servant of all. Or maybe he had read or heard Proverbs 11 too. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. And so we're not humiliated in our wealth, but we humble ourselves. Whether we have a little or a lot, our trust and our faith should not be in our wealth or, or even lack of or, or hopes of. Um, but our trust is in God, no matter what. Like this story, a, a wealthy and successful CEO took his wife out on a Sunday afternoon drive, and uh, realizing the gas was low, he pulled into this old country gas station, 
uh, while he was filling. He went to the restroom, and, and then on his way back, he saw his wife and, um, and talking to the gas station attendant. When they drove away, he asked his wife about it, and she said, well, well um, he was actually my boyfriend in high school. And he said, well, he said with a lot of pride, well, well, weren't you lucky that I came along? See, if you had married him, you'd be the wife of a gas station attendant. She said, uh, no, my dear, and uh, if I hadn't met you and married him, he'd be the chief executive officer, and you'd be the gas station attendant. <laughs> See, being spiritually mature means that we can handle ourselves regardless uh, of what we have. Um, it means that we trust God either way. And like the people in that story, I think we, we don't realize how much impact uh, that we have on someone else or that someone else may have on us. I mean, any of us could, could go either direction. I think at any stage in life, but probably most for, for younger, when we're younger, we, we have someone who pushes us in the right direction or gives us some advice or encourages us to, to make the right decisions. Um, this last week uh, at, at uh, Coach uh, Bob Gasway's funeral, uh, Dennis Worth spoke. Um, and he went up there and he talked about how there are a lot of kids who are on the fringe. They can go either direction. And and he said that Coach Gasway uh, took him and mentored him and, and pushed him the right way. And, and Dennis Worth, uh, I think he's the only professional athlete out of this town. Uh, he had won a, a World Series with the Yankees. Um, and then he passed it on to his stepson as well. And, and he, he even said that, does, that didn't matter. It, it, it's not about, it wasn't about the accomplishments. But it was about someone encouraging, someone helping him to get on track. And, and that's what we can do, whether we have a little or a lot. It didn't take money for, for him to become who he was or to accomplish what he did. It took encouragement. It took someone to be humble looking out at, at those around them and not being so prideful and into themselves that, that they were looking around. I want to read a different story, and this one's a little bit lengthy, but I, I really think it explains it very well. It says this, I was parked in front of the mall wiping off my car. I had just come from the car wash and was waiting for my wife to get out of work. Coming my way from across the parking lot was what society would, would consider a bum. From the looks of him, he had no car, no home, no clean clothes, and no money. There are times when you feel generous, but there are times when you just don't want to be bothered. This was one of those don't-want-to-be-bothered times. I hope he doesn't ask for me for money, I thought. He didn't. He, he came and sat on the curb in front of the bus stop, but he didn't look like he could have enough money to even ride the bus. After a few minutes, he spoke. That's a very pretty car, he said. He was ragged, but, the air of, but with an air of dignity around him. He, his scraggly blonde beard kept more than his face warm. I said thanks and continued wiping my car. He sat there quietly as I worked. The expected plea for money never came. The silence between us widened. Something inside uh, made me ask, ask myself. I said, ask, it, ask him if he needs help. And I, I, I was sure that he would say yes, but... I held true to the inner voice. Do you need any help? I asked. He answered in three simple but profound words that I shall never forget. We often look for wisdom in great men and women. We expect it from those of higher learning and accomplishments. I expected nothing but an outstretched, grimy hand. He spoke the three words that shook me. Don't we all? He said. I was feeling high and mighty, successful and important, above a bum in the street until those three words hit me like a 12-gauge shotgun. Don't we all? I needed help. Maybe not for a bus fare or a place to sleep, but I needed help. 
I reached in my wallet and gave him not only enough for a bus fare, but enough to get a warm meal and shelter for the day. Those three little words still ring true. No matter how much you have, no matter how much you have accomplished, you need help too. No matter how little you have, no matter how loaded you are with problems, even without money or a place to sleep, you can give help. Even if it's just a compliment, you can give that. You never know when you may see someone that appears to have it all. They are waiting on you to give them what they don't have, a different perspective on life, a glimpse at something beautiful, a respite from the daily chaos that only you through a torn world can see. Maybe the man was just a homeless stranger wandering the streets. Maybe he was more than that. Maybe he was sent by a power that is great and wise to minister to a soul too comfortable in themselves and make him know that everyone needs help. Don't we all? I thought that story perfectly explained it. No matter where we are uh, in our lives with our circumstances, we all need help, and I think we're all here to, to help each other. We'll, finish, we'll keep going here, verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Number four, we trust God through temptation. Why? Because God is good. Or as James says, God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. See, many times like the heading sometimes in, in some of our Bibles, puts trial, we put trials and temptations in the same category. And I think there is a place for that, but, but I think for trials, most of the hardships, many of the hardships we face, we have no control over. Um, we just don't see it coming. Um, but for temptation, I think it sways the other way. Yeah, I think we could all be tempted when we are in a bad situation and we're using wisdom. That happens. But I think more often the trials, they come from the outside, but the temptation, uh, that's, that's probably because we haven't used wisdom that we've gained. Um, look again, verse 14 and 15. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. See, the, the progress here is temptation, then sin, and then death. But it doesn't start with temptation. There's something here. James says there's something before temptation even starts. It begins with our own evil desires. We can, we can say, well, I fell into that. Yeah, or I didn't see that coming. I don't know how that happened. Um, or I thought I could control that a little better. I thought I had better self-control. But looking back... Uh, when you fell into temptation, was it because of your own evil desire? Was there a part of you that thought, maybe I kind of hope this goes to a place where uh, I know it may not end well, but it's an evil desire. It's Satan attacking us. Maybe it's financial temptation or sexual temptation, or maybe it's gossip. No one will look at you um, or look how you use the company card. We're financially tempted. Or maybe it's an innocent text or a a snap. Is that what it's called on Snapchat? A snap? Yeah. Um, or, or a like. Um, or just an innocent comment where you just, you just want to throw it out there and see what kind of response you get. Maybe you get a smile. Um, maybe if it's gossip, it's that hidden prayer request or the innocent comment or question. You just, you're just hoping to get something because you want some information. So you're looking for it. It's, that's the, our evil desires are leading to temptation. And then 
And then the temptation leads to sin. When it's fully grown, it leads to death. It leads to evil. It leads to bad in the world. Now, I don't want to repeat last week's sermon completely, but if you're serious about God and you're really trusting Him, then you have to quit opening the door to Satan. We have to quit letting him work in our lives and cause all these problems um, because of our own e- evil desires. We, can't, we have to fight it. We, have, we, ha- we don't have the power on our own, but we do have Jesus, and he promises us a way out through temptation. All right, I'm going to finish the text now. It's, uh, James is kind of wrapping everything up about trusting God and how to do it. Verse 16, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first, first fruits of all he created. And so number five, we trust God through Jesus. That's, that's the best for last. James sums, sums up the entire text here. Don't be deceived. All the good is from God, and God has never changed and never will. And then he gets to, to verse 18, and, and we see the decision that God made for us. He gave us life through the word of truth. Or Jesus. And, and that's the biggest answer then. Why can we trust God? It's hard sometimes. We wonder if God has our best interest. Or maybe we think God has a bigger plan for that person and I'm just a little pawn in the story. Or, or maybe we think I've lived through a lot, a lot of hard, hard times and just tough experiences and I don't know if I can trust God anymore. I've tried it and this is tough for me. I don't, this, I don't know if I can keep doing it. All I can tell you is look to Jesus. That, that's, the, that's the easiest answer, the most simple answer, but the most profound. And I don't know if I can say it well enough, so I want to show a video this morning that I think says it a lot better.
I love the book of James um, because it speaks to us about spiritual maturity. Um, But I think I love it more um, because it speaks to us about hope. We all have hope. Um, We've been, we were those people on the train. We are the broken. We are the hurt. We are the addicted. And we need help. And we can't do it on our own. We had no other choice uh, but to rely on a loving God who would make a sacrifice. And when we look and ask, why do I trust God? We don't have to look any further than Jesus. And so if you haven't put your your trust in God today, um, I I just ask that you come forward as we um, as we have the prayer counselors up here this morning, and just think about it. I mean, what have you been doing so far? What have you been putting your trust and your hope in? Uh, there's a better way, and, and Jesus has become the answer uh, to everything. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for uh, giving us wisdom and a, and a way to get through life. Um, but mostly I thank you that you gave us hope uh, for the end. Uh, that no matter what we do, no matter how many mistakes we make or what addictions we have or, or can get through or maybe we never get through them, uh, God, you've given us hope and, and, and grace. And so I pray that, that we don't look to try to be better for ourselves, but we just look to you and in appreciation for your great sacrifice and love uh, that we would accept Jesus as our Savior. Thank you so much for Jesus, and it's his name I pray. Amen.